This is the Unearthing Art Podcast with Michelle Luminato and Beck Lee, where we dig into the messy reality of making art that matters, raw and real conversations about being an artist, navigating the creative process, and expressing our honest and sometimes weird selves. We were just chatting, Michelle, before I hit record, and then about, what, 20, 30 minutes into that conversation, we're like, we should really just be recording this. (laughs) Why do we do that? I I was asking you for advice and a little bit of, I don't know, a sanity check and just help because uh, with what I've been working on in the studio over the weekend and also reading that I'd been doing about different types of thinking and, and ways to solve problems and just tying myself in a very classic Beck overthinking <laughs> knot. A little bit of a knot. A little bit of Minor a knot. Minor knot. I wouldn't say it was a big knot though. So what we were talking about and what I brought up with you was that in this process that I've been working through at the moment, we've talked about um, how I've been gathering a bunch of inspiration sources and looking at those and saying what are the elements that I want to bring into my art more I really love oh I just love this as this area of the process this Mm -hmm. opportunity to connect ideas and it's it's kind of like mixing and matching and noticing new things so one of the things that I noticed in what I was writing and what I was uh, looking at the my visual cues was this idea of layering I've been playing with uh, paper and tissue paper for a little while now, mm-hmm. but this gave me an idea of the. Pl- I was noticing a theme of kind of depth and um, foreground and background and kind of a sense of three dimensions. And the first thing I did is got some paper and started playing with folding it, which I really enjoyed. That was fun. Yeah. And then also applying. Um, pigment and values to the paper to kind of accentuate that and that was great but the funny thing about that was it at that point my mind started going back to some work I'd done in the past and it started to twig to me that there were why like what in those what you were drawn to yeah, I was so drawn to actually was connected to this idea yeah. of, of depth. And previously I'd done it just by having layers of transparency in the paper. And mm-hmm. the other thing that really reminded me of is like uh, paintings from like 18 months, two years ago, where I had just kind of almost accidentally created a kind of luminous effect Mm -hmm. using a particular medium that I found that made the acrylic very soft and sort of semi-transparent, but it still had a body to it. I was like, okay, now I've got this idea of working with paint, but I'm really into working with kind of these chalky and paper effects how on earth are these two things going to go together I started to get really tied up in that problem like how am I going to make this work and then I thought oh well let's just start with the paint let's just start with mixing up some colors and then and now listeners we come to the point of this long story (laughs) we get to the pointy end just so you can see the path that I've been on and then I was I was in the studio yesterday and I started mixing some paint started putting some things together and it wasn't working nothing was coming together in a satisfying way oh and I just felt like this is all too hard this is obviously the wrong idea 
maybe I need to just be doing something else altogether. And then I said to Michelle, what am I, <laughs> what am I doing, Michelle? What, what do I do about this? And that's where we come to this point. Yes. I, first of all, I love, I love juicy conversations like this because I think having studio context is so helpful in these conversations because we can get really specific. So mm. I just, again, as always, I just appreciate you sharing your story with us so we can kind of experience what that is like. And I think one thing that comes to mind is when it's all smooth in the studio and we're like, yeah, it's all kind of working, you know, the mind cooperates, mm -hmm. there's less resistance. But when we're trying to achieve something, um, which I know what you were trying to achieve, and technically there's some skills that have to be built up and um, practiced along the way. And sometimes I think we have these expectations of trying to achieve these certain results technically that can be really challenging. And I'm going to say it just the way I say it is sometimes practicing those skills are really freaking boring. You know, it looks ordinary, <laughs> looks really yeah. ordinary. And I think we have to be patient with ourselves because our mind will easily say, oh, no, you're not good at this. This isn't working. It's not coming naturally. You better just give this up. You better try a different path. Does this sound familiar? Oh, my God, <laughs> totally. And then as you're saying that to me, uh, from, you know, I, I, I'm pretty sure that's what I said like three minutes ago. But as you're saying this to me now, I'm going, hang on, that's like what kids say when they have to try a new thing and it doesn't work straight away. It's like, hmm, am I having like a bit of a childlike reaction to something we do. that's hard? Totally. And I don't think, I mean, I think it's just a human reaction. I don't even know that it's childlike. Maybe children throw temper tantrums a little bit more and do a little pouting. Yeah. And so I suppose I mean, I didn't, pout. I didn't throw my paint on the floor and break all my brushes or anything. Oh, <laughs> thank goodness. Fair. Yeah. So I think, I think it's a normal response, but I think that it's, um, for me, it's been to trick my mind to saying, no, this is, this, I know I don't know this yet. And again, I've worked through some super challenging technical things, um, especially with the geometrics. There was a lot of subtlety I was trying to do. And I can tell you, like, I bombed a lot. It did not work. Color was tricking me. Like, all sorts of stuff was happening. It wasn't mm -hmm. giving me depth. And I think that practicing that, what I consider more ordinary stuff, um, mm. because you're just disappointed, you know, you're disappointed that your mind's like, no, I see that. That's what I want. And then mm. technically we experience this, um, bit of a mess because sometimes we can't recreate what we're imagining it to do. And there's such disappointment with that. But I think that there's this space where we have to kind of deal with that ordinary stuff, you mm. know, to get to the mastery and it's a bit boring. It it look it can look boring. And I think that sometimes pulling out these things like for instance, you know, looking at your values or looking how to create a subtle edge, like just from an edge perspective, you know, sometimes you have to try different brushes, you have to try how much paint is on the brush and like there's a lot of experimental stuff that has to happen from my mm -hmm. experience maybe you're mm -hmm. different Beck <laughs> is this ringing thinking, any bells I was just thinking you're right that does sound boring <laughs> isn't that terrible <laughs> see and then I feel like a bad artist for thinking that but 
also what I was thinking about these technical skills and trying things out is that it's not actually going to be a waste of time. No. As in, if I'm intrigued by that, if I'm noticing that effect with paint and light and I'm interested in it, that putting some time, as you say, a week or something, even it can be just like that. And also that's the other thing. We always think, oh, but to learn that it's going to take forever. Exactly. (laughs) (laughs) Taking some time to have a look at it, whether or not I I have that doubt about whether it's going to be immediately applicable in what I'm trying Mm -hmm. to do, it's also, and I feel like you've told me we've had this conversation before, I'm having a little bit of deja vu, it's always going to throw up some more information which uh, could be really useful. And I don't know how useful or unuseful that's going to be until I actually do it. Yeah. Am I going to use that particular painting technique? In the next in the next piece of work that I do, maybe, maybe not. Is it something that I might end up using next year? Maybe, maybe not. But in the meantime, whatever I learned from it mm-hmm. is something that I might then take back and apply to working with the paper or working with something else. Like it's, it's mm-hmm. literally can be also connected. Oh, yeah. And I think that as artists, like when the mastery starts really unfolding is when you have taken all these little tests, you know, experiments and studies, and it's like a toolbox, you know, you're just adding this new skill, like that's adding to your toolbox. You might not use it tomorrow, but maybe in a year you're like, oh, remember when I did that thing? You know, I can pull that skill out and use it. And I don't see it ever as wasteful because you either learn like, oh no, not right now, but you also have that reference for down the road when you might find that you're able to pull that. Like sometimes I wanna achieve something and maybe technically I'm not there yet. Um, As in, I don't know why it works this way, but sometimes you know, even trying the same thing a year later, I just Mm. get it, like it clicks a little bit, you know? Yeah, like it's had time to percolate in the meanwhile. Yeah, absolutely. And it can look boring. I remember, I still remember this person I used to work with and I would say, what do you think is going to happen when I do this? Because as a, as a designer, it's a, it's a question I've been asking a long time. And so we would do these huge, large, um, environmental spaces, like the, the huge walls. And so I would try Mm -hmm. to achieve these things. And, and you know what her answer to me was always test it. It's like try it and see. Try it and see. It's like <laughs> which is what you said to me. It's so it? annoying. It's just so before annoying. we started recording, and I was holding things up and just saying, "But what do you think? However, am I going to get this kind of soft um, painterly effect to work alongside this textural and this other effect? And how is that going to work, Michelle? Can you give me the answer?" And you looked at me. <laughs> I knew it. something was coming because you took a moment. You're like, I think you can guess what I'm going to say, Beg. Try it and see. Try it and see. And I think that if we can stay really open-minded, because I think the curiosity is where the fun is. Curiosity Mm -hmm. is where you can allow yourself to maybe do three variations instead of one, you know, Mm -hmm. because when I'm looking at, you know, maybe mixing a certain kind of a layering of color or mixing a color or even trying a shape... I do a few different variations just to see like 
could it be this or could it be this or could it be this? That playful four-year-old that's always like, why, why, why? <laughs> you know, yeah. like if we can live in that um, just briefly, like we don't have to linger in it for a long time, but if we can linger just a little bit longer, instead of 10 minutes, could we linger for 20? Could we linger for 30? And just be mm. more curious, like why, what, what's going to happen? See if we can kind of push the, the materials we have and, and if we can't, then we have to ask, like, is this going to work or do I need something else? I think just staying in that curiosity. I know that sounds really boring and sort of simple, but at the same time, I'm like, I don't know, maybe I'm a bit of a dork, but I'm like, ooh, what would it look like <laughs> if you, you know, because I think you, you, what I look at is like, if I use three different brushes, I'll probably get a different result to that soft edge. If I, mm. if I use more paint, there's a lot of variables at least my experience, when you're really trying to test some technical things that make a difference, like the brushes make a difference, how big the brushes are, how soft they mm. are, how hard they are, the the levels of paint, like is it yeah. is it really thin and barely there on your brush or is it is it thicker? So yeah. I'm like, how could you possibly answer that in one, <laughs> you know what I mean? You're kind of creating the interest in a way. It reminds me a little yes. bit of that uh, conversation we had about boredom and, you know, the kids on the car trip and the one totally. kid who all they're thinking about is when are we going to get there? When are we going to get there? And the other kid who's like plain I spy. Yeah. So it goes back to a bit of a mindset thing because you're talking about yep. plain I spy during what can be felt you can experience it as a really boring process or it's almost more about how you think about it how you set yourself up for it the expectations of it I yeah. guess maybe that's where the kind of stories you're telling the any critical stories yeah, or the critical voice that you have saying you should have worked this out already um, but how, can, I mean, listen to the questions, <laughs> how could you, how, if you just like, oh, I would love to see how I could do that. And then you give yourself like 10 minutes, like, how can you possibly even, you know, let your inner critic speak la like, that's just crazy. We need to spank that inner critic. <laughs> Get that inner critic okay. off the shoulder. <laughs> Spanking. <laughs> <laughs> oh dear but you know what I mean <laughs> yeah that inner critic yeah, it's I got do. too much power for what we do as artists I mean mm. we really have to check in and say is this inner critic actually helping me or is there a four-year-old version of me that would be more helpful right now honestly yeah yeah Who's the one on the shoulder? You know, who's mm -hmm. the one? Is it the four-year-old that's playful and fun? Or is it this mean person who says there's only one answer and you don't have it? Get out. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. I mentioned that I had been doing some reading over the weekend as well about this idea of divergent thinking and convergent thinking, mm -hmm. which I believe we we've talked about a little yep. bit before. I know you're a big proponent of divergent thinking and that in, in how it contributes to kind of a growth mindset when it comes to considering all the options and exploring options like what we're talking yeah. about now. And I really do enjoy that process of uh, connecting ideas to generate new ideas and, you know, kind of spreads out in a web 
I was wondering then, because I think the general thing is that, oh, we all need, in order to be more creative, we need to do more divergent thinking because we have a tendency, certainly in traditional, say, educational approaches, there's a value placed on convergent thinking, on, on solving Just a particular problem. getting the one problem, right answer. Getting yeah. the one right answer. And that in being creative, we want to encourage this more divergent thinking. But what I was thinking about over the weekend, where is the proper place for convergent thinking in our art practice? Because the other thing is if you, it can feel like if you do a lot of exploring unendingly, yeah, actually making a decision, you know, is there a, a kind of a balance that has to happen there, do you think? I think there is a balance and I'd say... I really, and again, I, I just find that my best answers come from divergent thinking, which is creating multiple solutions and, and variations on how to look at things. Like the example we were mm. talking about where maybe you're just stud- studying a, a soft edge and how do you create that soft edge? What are the different ways that you could do that with the given tools and paints that you have? But mm. I think at some point, if you have enough in front of you, as mm. in like in my case, you know, five or 10 examples of something? Is there enough information where you're, you can say, yep, I'm ready to, like, if you're excited enough. I think the problem is, like, if, if we haven't really felt that connected to those solutions that we've come up with and those divergent thinkings of those options, then it is hard to make a path forward. And I, I definitely have seen that in my own work where maybe it's there, but I'm not really that excited about it. So mm. I think... But we have to check in with ourselves. I think it's a fine line of are we fearful or are we not excited? I think that sometimes if I think, oh, I really love that idea, but I just don't have the technical skills, I think that's a fear based decision, you know, rather than, well, what would it take for me to get those skills? What would that look like? How could I test that? How could I practice that even in a small way? Because mastery doesn't happen overnight. It's the result of showing up and, you know, practicing a little bit here. And then you keep practicing a little bit here and a little bit there. So say you practice this soft edge and come up with five or 10 different ways to do it. And then you can say, well, I'm going to pick one now to proceed. I might not be perfect or there is no such thing as perfect anyway, but I'm going to pick one to move forward with and test it, you know, even further. And now I'm going to commit these ideas and go forward with that. And then we learn from that, you know, and we can keep practicing it along the way. So I think we have to check in with, is it because we're a bit fearful of what it's going to take to get that mastery? Or are we not interested in the idea? That's definitely something I've noticed in my own work. And I think we're really impatient. I know for me, um, mastering some gradients that I was working on the first, I don't know, I hate to say this because it might disappoint people who were like, doesn't this happen overnight? It took me like a good six months to nine months to really start liking those gradients. Mm -hmm. You know, there was a lot of them. What kept you doing that while you were not liking it for six months? I wanted it. I want, it was not optional. I want Why did it. you want it? Because I, I've always loved them. For me not to, like, I've always loved them. It would be like, um, I don't have any good uh, 
cedar landscape analogies today. <laughs> but I think that it was one of those things like if I did not have that in my toolkit, it would be just one of those missed things. It was part of my vocabulary that I knew I wanted to have because mm. it's always been an important visual thing. I've been doing gradients forever in all of my work. And for me not to have that ability to do that in painting was like you not having writing in your vocabulary. <laughs> yeah. You know yeah, what I mean? Yeah. So I think yeah. that I think that that's where we have to question like how committed to the idea are we? And you know, I've always loved them, so it was worth it, but I think that some of these things that are harder, you know, we we suck. Quite <laughs> <frankly>. <laughs> and had you seen it, when you say I wanted it, I always wanted it. Had you seen some examples or 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 did you have an idea of of what you were aiming for? Like, I did you have some different examples of different um, ways that people approached it? Mm -hmm. And I just, I just went into test mode, like, okay, I'm going to test this way of doing, I'm going to test this way of doing, I'm going to test this way. So with that, I literally have, and that's a great example of divergent thinking, I can make a gradient in about five different ways. And Mm -hmm. it depends on what shapes I'm working with, what kind of paints I have, and how quickly I want to do the work. Like it, it literally is one of those things that I can do it in a few different ways. And so mm. it's not one of those questions like, how do I do it? Now it's more like, well, which way do I want to do it today? Yeah. When I think of convergent thinking, I also think about a more directed approach to things. Like it's mm-hmm. the, I imagine it's a bit like how in project managing or something where you start breaking down, okay, you say, these are the materials that I have. This is the time that I have. How can I go about doing this? When you're talking about that kind of commitment and decision-making, because there is a decision there in that I'm going to focus on this gradient. I'm going to focus on working with in this particular area Mm -hmm. and apply myself to it and yep do it creatively and come up with different ways but there's kind of a commitment to it and I wonder whether sometimes that can be a bit of a struggle because I know we've talked about both sides of this we've talked about about not committing too early to an idea not being fixed Mm -hmm. in our mindset Mm -hmm. I think we talked about that on just the last episode yeah like don't be too fixed um know that things can change all the time and yet we're also human beings with a limited time span and we live in a physical space and there's kind of limits to what we can do. So perhaps sometimes it's also balancing against choosing a path because that's the only way we can physically, materially mm-hmm. move forward. Does that, yeah, definitely. Does any of that make I, sense? I think that because for me, it was one of those things that I was going to work with color. Like I, mm-hmm. I knew in my heart, like color is so important to my work. And one of the ways that I wanted to work with color was how to move color, how to shift it from one to another. I think the difference too is like, I was going to play to win. I literally was looking at it like, I'm going to get this. Yeah. I don't know when or exactly how, but I'm going to get this. So I never, I never really saw it as a optional thing. I, I think that that's kind of a mindset thing too, where Mm-hmm. I think that if we're like, am I ever going to get this? Like if we linger in that, 
Mm. It, it it does feel like super, I don't know, uninspiring. I feel much more empowered where if I say, I'm going to get this, but I don't know So just when. to be really pedantic about this Go for thing, it. Just to really like put you on the spot and pick this apart. Is that not a bit fixed? Is that not like, are there not possibilities of other things that you well, could have done that you've kind of missed yeah. out because you were focused on that? I don't or? know if missed out though. I think that you have to decide what's really important. Mm. I mean, me learning how to move color was important. Yeah. It, it wasn't, what wasn't fixed was how I was going to do it. Yeah. Yeah. But moving and I guess color was important. And so... Yeah adding ways to do it to my toolbox is what I spend my studio practice doing. Yeah. You know what I mean? And and you're really interested in doing it. I guess when we've talked about being fixed uh, with things previously, it goes hand in hand with if something's not satisfying, if something's not working, then to open then yes. open up more about what are different ways of yeah, approaching it and totally. not to be locked in. You know, we create these cages for ourselves a little bit. Yeah. And as an example of that, um, there was a point where earlier um, in these color gradients that I was doing, I was doing it a certain way and mm. and I was getting a little bit bored with it, but really frustrated how slow I was going with it. And so that would mm. be like a box where I was like, Either I got to change things or I'm going to stop doing it because it's that annoying. Right. And then I was like, well, what can I do now to do it in a different way? What kind of tool could I use? What kind of paints could I use? And that's where I was still attached to, I really would like to do this. I just don't like the way I'm doing it anymore because I'm too slow. So that's where I think we have to open up to, again, it's not that I'm fixed on the, the way I'm doing it. It's more yeah. of, I just don't want to do it. I just need to find a different way. But funny enough, I went and tested all these other ways, and I still go back to that original one in some cases. Like, it's just mm-hmm. a, a piece of the toolbox. I feel like sometimes when we're talking like the way we are now, we're almost like two different, I don't know, species talking to each <laughs> other because... I'm over here saying, trying to lock you down and say, okay, Michelle, but when A happens, you say we do B, but what about when C happens and then you say we do D, but hang on, those two are similar. And I think, um, you know, I'm trying to lock in a kind of algebra types formula for when you do one or the other, but listening to you speak, it seems a lot of how you respond is based on trusting yourself and trusting your gut and and sometimes you it you respond with let's open up um and look for different options and sometimes you do respond with let's double down let's explore this more deeply Mm -hmm. um you know sometimes you it's I see in in when you're coaching artists, you pick up the thing of, is this something you're really interested in? Maybe it's taking a step back, but then at other times you're like, take two steps forward, get more detailed. Yeah. I mean, is this just what we learn through trial and error? Yeah, I (laughs) I think there is some of that. I think sometimes we have to zoom out, you know, and get a different perspective on things. And then I think other times we do have to double down and go after it a little bit deeper because mm. 
anywhere in between is is kind of nowhere. Do you know what mm-hmm. I mean? I I feel like if you double down and you go deeper on something, you know, you're you're reinvesting, you know, you're recommitting. If you're zooming out, you're looking for possibility. And so I think that if you really want something, again, I don't I think the thing that's probably really challenging because we are two yeah. different species in that sense that yeah. I don't think like equations. My brain is stumped with equations. So <laughs> I don't think like that at all. I think I think it, it's much more fluid and much yeah. more um go with the flow of what's going to give me the most because I'm again I'm playing with this mindset of I'm going to get it. Mm. I'm going to trust that I'm going to get it. Sometimes I don't know how I've had that trust. And I'll be honest, it's not like trusting myself is is 100% every day. There's mm-hmm. days, you know, where there's 100% doubt. Absolutely. But I what I've learned by doing enough things, you know, creatively through my whole creative practice is that if I stick with something long enough, I really will get it. Yeah. I will get there. You know, and that's that says something as as well that you talk about going with the flow and you know finding things that really interest you, so they they pull you in. But you also talk about sticking with things and even hard work. Yes, and going through the slog. Yes, so that's yes. <laughs> so it's not all oh just what interests you, and it doesn't necessarily feel great all the time. I know you were talking about Seth Godin and that yes. idea of the hard work. Yeah. It's it's a book I read a long time ago, but if you if you haven't read it, The Dip, he does mm-hmm. talk about the difference of between, you know, knowing when to quit and knowing when to go through the hard slog because well, the idea that I translate it to is the hard slog is like the ordinary stuff that we're talking Mm -hmm. about here. It's the, oh, do I do it like this or do I do it like this? And sometimes that looks really ordinary and sort of like maybe a waste of time. But I think that's what creates mastery. The reason why I can do gradients in five different ways is because I did the slog of testing how many options could I use and what would what would be good for right now. If we go into our studio and we're like, oh, this is boring. This is hard slog. This is the how how uninspiring is that going to be? You know, if we go in and say like, hmm, how many ways could I test out how to do this? Like, I think it's really the mind shift. And again, I say that because when, when I was younger and someone said, go test it, I was like, really? How annoying? <laughs> Honestly, I mean, I can't even tell you how annoying go test it would sound to me. It was like chalkboard. But the reality is that's what gives you the result. You can't know the answer without testing it. And the only one who can test your, your ideas and your your practice is you. It's like, yeah. the, you know, it's the whole your trainer can't do your pushups. You're the one in there doing oh, damn it. Damn it. Are you telling me? I know, Aww. honestly. I've tried to hire out the push-ups and it just it doesn't <laughs> work. But I think that it's more about like, what are you telling yourself? What are you asking yourself in the studio? Because mm. if, if, if painting really means something to you, and I mean mm. like you really want to work with, you know, paint and creative processes and, and painting is part of that practice, like the actual paint itself learning how to use it in various ways is part of the skill set. 
And I think that it it does take years of messing with it, you know, and and I look at more as like a real test. When I first started painting, I thought it was going to be like, well, just it'll come out automatically somehow, Mm -hmm. you know, it's like, Mm -hmm. well, isn't being a painter really easy? Not. And, and I think the more I paint, the more I realize, oh, there's so many ways to paint. So I don't look at it as a fixed thing in terms of what could a painting look like anymore. And that's, that's where I go, be open. Don't get too locked down. But I guess if I find myself a little bit bored with how I'm approaching something, I look at it and say, am I just being impatient or am I just not interested? I think there's a discernment that you kind of got to develop around Mm -hmm. those kind of questions. Am I just being impatient? Is there some fear coming into this? Am I just not interested? And maybe you can't really judge how uninterested you are without a little bit of investigation. It's maybe you tough. can't decide it's on day one. <laughs> because day one of my gradients, I was not that interested in what I was producing. I can tell you that. Yeah. But yeah. I always like to ask the question like, well, how bad do you want it? Do you yeah. I don't want it or do you really want it? If you really want it, you're going to just stick with it. Even in even when you're annoyed, that's where I'm like, no, I had to conquer the gradient. Like that was yeah, that was that was. That's gonna be true. There. You've you've reminded me that is a question that I've heard you ask before. Like, what are you willing to do mm-hmm. to get this? Yes, and and be patient with yourself. Like when it sucks, know that the rest of us are doing the same thing. We all suck at some point. You know, one day you think you're great and the next day you don't. There's Mm. an emotional wave that comes with that as well, where, you know, sometimes the gradients I do, I'm like, oh, that's the best thing ever. And then the next day I look at it and I think, well, that, what was I thinking? That's just complete garbage. We got to give ourselves a little distance and patience. But I think for me, one of the biggest lessons I've learned from painting is patience. Patience with myself to get better and, Mm -hmm. you know, again, just not having the skill set. And then when you learn a new technique, again, I've practiced five different kinds of gradients. I've sucked every single time I've started a new way of doing it. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think there's a little patience in when you suck. And again, I say that lightly because we're not good the first time we try something. I mean, maybe yeah. there's some people who are, I'm not one of them. I am not one of them who just automatically makes good stuff the first time around. It might look like that from the Instagram, you know, here's what I'm showing you as a finished product, but definitely not the real life. So speaking of discernment, and you were talking about Seth Godin and the book, The Dip, and it's about knowing when to quit and when to push on through the hard slog. Is Mm -hmm. there any wisdom there around, so when do we know to quit? Because there was a there was a choice there. Was the implication that you always do the hard slog, or is there genuinely times to quit? Have you quit some stuff? There's a lot of complexity to that answer. I would say, yeah, yeah, um, yeah. But I think I've let go of things, which I suppose mm-hmm. looks like quitting. I've let go yeah. of things that aren't serving my current work, which, you know, instead of me bringing the whole kitchen sink, I'm only bringing a few things right now. You Again, know? that's that decision yeah. making, mm-hmm. isn't it? But it doesn't mean that it's forever. It just means currently this is the vanish point. Yeah, I'd say. I think that could be an important skill, though. Yeah. Do you think so? Like, 
you know, and yeah, quitting can sound like a neg- negative connotation, but if you're trying to carry everything forward at the same time, yeah. if you're not willing to let go of anything, like I'm thinking of myself now, if I've got all these different elements and I think that the only way forward is to make all of them work at once. Yeah, in, that's that's a lot in, of pressure. You're right. It's so complex because it's almost layers of, there's layers of, letting stuff go and also layers of as you say doing the hard slog and you know in some ways the hard slog is just focusing on one thing even though you yeah. want to have like a hundred different yeah. ideas happening at once that's right um, and i do think absolutely in fact i would say one of the hardest things or one of the best skills we can do as artists is to take the time to look at the one thing and mm-hmm. not many artists are willing to do that i think and i might be generalizing here but i think that mm. It, it seems, it appears from the outside to look like it slows us down to do that, to look at one thing. Again, it's not that you have to ignore the rest forever. It's just to get a deeper understanding of that one thing in that moment. Yeah. You feel like, I know because you've said to me, you feel like that is the work. Yes, The work of 100%. being an artist. Yeah, um, definitely. Emphasizing work. Work. It is work. And, but it can be fun. It can be fun. Mm -hmm. I mean, I honestly feel so guilty so often in the studio because I'm doing work, but because I just try to really stay in this curious four-year-old state, it doesn't feel like work. So I can get lost in it, you know, and it, it becomes fun. But I guess in terms of quitting earlier in my days at lots of tears around like, oh my gosh, this is so hard. I should, I'm not cut out for this. I had a lot more thoughts about it then. But what happened really was that I was like, there is no other, this is my plan B. This is, this yeah. is it. So and there's I a think, bigger, higher level kind of decision that you're, that you're making as well. There's a commitment totally. to it as in not, not like thinking, okay, <laughs> Every five minutes, what are the other options of things that I could be doing? Right, <laughs> being yeah. An artist? It's that was the first difficult bridge to cross, where it was like, mm. no, this is it. This I'm mm. going to be a painter, come hell or high water. Don't know how long it's going to take. Don't know how, what it's going to look like. Yeah, I don't know if you see this as being connected, but it's popping into my mind because we've also talked recently about kind of more practical things like mm-hmm. managing what you're working on day to day or week to week. And I know that you said to me, I do set myself um, little challenges or little goals. Like I want to do three variations of this by the end of today. Mm -hmm. And then you kind of go and execute on that. So that's Mm -hmm. more kind of structured because I'm thinking, and I guess this is what's occupying my mind at the moment, this um, back and forth and this balance between a structure, mm. um, a commitment to work versus a more open, and maybe I'm making it into a binary too much, but this kind of open play. Because when you talk about that four-year-old, you know, who has the curiosity in the play, but how many four-year-olds commit to doing something enough to <laughs> carry through a larger project? You know, well, so the four-year-old's somewhere. there just to ask the question, how could I do this? <laughs> yeah. How could I do this? But the four-year-old doesn't run the project, definitely. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so I think to clarify that too, I would say in the studio, I do allow for the experiments to be the play, but there is yeah. definitely a structure. Like I'm going in mm-hmm. there with the intention of, okay, I want to look at this particular 
problem. And mm-hmm. and then I let the four-year-old loose. you like, hey, I four-year-old, said, this is what I'm thinking about. Go for it. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. So I think that it is creating a bit of um, structure to what is it you want to look at? You know, what are you really trying to get better at or master or explore, mm. test? You know, I like to look at the word as, a, as an experiment or test and try it. But that's the that's the challenge for the day. Like, okay, I'm going in here. I'm testing this new material. I'm testing this new brush. I do those things and then I put it aside and then I keep working on something else. And so yeah. my studio, it's, it sounds like it's all play, but there is a little bit of structure to it in the sense that there's a a boundary of these are the problems I'm trying to solve. This needs a four-year-old to tackle that problem. This needs the professional that completes a project to solve it. You know what I mean? Yeah. There's many yeah. hats we have to wear. So I think it's it's about choosing who sets up what roles. Something that I've been thinking about as we've been talking, and I'm not sure if I've shared this quote before, but it's from a writing book. It's considered a classic in terms of how to write books by Natalie Goldberg called Writing Down the Bones. Learning to write is not a linear process. There's no logical A to B to C way to become a good writer. One neat truth about writing cannot answer it all. There are many truths. To do writing practice means to ultimately deal with your whole life. If you receive instructions on how to set a broken bone in your ankle... You can't use those same instructions to fill a cavity in your teeth. So you might read a section in this book that says to be very specific and precise. That's to help with the ailment of abstract general meandering in your writing. And then you read another chapter that says to lose control and write on the waves of emotion. (laughs) That's to encourage you to say really deep down what you need to say. Or in one chapter, it says to fix up a studio that you need a private place to write. And then the next chapter says, get out of the house, away from the dirty dishes, go write in a cafe. Some techniques are appropriate at some times and some for other times. Every moment is different. Different things work. One isn't wrong and the other right. Yeah. It seems like a lot of what we talk about to do with painting yeah. and art and our studio absolutely mm. it it and it is where you have to look at the scenario are you looking for more creativity your four-year-old is definitely running that show you know <laughs> honestly yeah yeah i mean you hope but i think that's yeah and if you have trouble kind of taming the four-year-old and and mm. committing to something then you have to just trust that older I mean, I think this goes into trust, which could be an interesting podcast topic as well. But I think trust is something that we have to practice, learning Mm -hmm. how to trust ourselves. And there's a lot of complexity to that and why we don't. But there is no one right way or wrong way, you know, to make Mm -hmm. art. There is just making a commitment to a path that you care about. And yes going through with it to see it, you know, and I'll just say it from my experience. I I feel like you're always a little bit disappointed with the execution because we happen to be perfectionists. Possibly we have this perfect vision in our head and then we execute it and it just doesn't work out that way. I mm-hmm. I remember being a young artist in my 20s and I was telling my grandmother who was an artist that I was disappointed and she started laughing at me. And I was like, <laughs> yeah. "Why are you laughing?" She goes, 
what, you think you're going to be satisfied with every piece? And I said, <laughs> aren't I? And she goes, no, never. She goes, just don't even worry about that. And oh, so good advice. It was mm-hmm. good. It was a good, yeah, good advice for my 20 year old self. Learning to let go of how it didn't really get perfect is okay. But learning mm-hmm. to trust that every time you go at it again, it gets better. Yeah. And trusting that it will get better, I think is is the key. At least that's what I focus on. 